It's news to us live on IW Radio. We are live, live. How's everybody doing? It is the week of March 15th, 2021. Uh, hey, it's Eddie here. Chris, Katie joining us this week, our, our co hosts. Hello. What's up? So, guys, Jason is out on assignment this week. So, he'll be joining us with a special report next week. Uh, just so it's very exciting. Very exciting. Very exciting. Um, so, uh, just so much to talk about this week. Uh, some more insurrectionist arrests. We'll fill you in the latest on that. And then also you're going to be hearing a lot about uh, Joe Biden raising your taxes. But as Joe Biden would say, with all due respect, that's a bunch of malarkey. It's a bunch of malarkey. Okay. It's a bunch of malarkey. We'll tell you why that's malarkey. And then uh, the Senate, just like an hour ago, when we're live here on AW Radio, uh, just before we got on, the Senate just confirmed New Mexico Representative Deb Holland as Interior Secretary uh, that makes her the first Native American to lead a cabinet department and the DOI, the Department of Interior. And uh, we're going to be joined by our guest, Julian Brave Noisecat, the vice president of policy and strategy at Data for Progress and an indigenous environmental justice activist. And uh, he's going to talk about this historic Senate confirmation. So that should be interesting. Uh, let's start the show with this button here. It's news to us. Radio. All right. How are you guys? You guys good? How's everybody doing? Yeah. Never better. How are you doing? Good, good. We just had a uh, big ass snowstorm here, but it's pretty much all melted after two two feet fell yesterday, and now it's all gone pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's For Colorado. I mean, yeah. it's not really all gone, but the roads are cleared now, and uh, there's, uh, there's still a lot that needs to melt, but it was a snowed-in weekend, so that was fun. Did you enjoy getting snowed in, Katie? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I felt like there was a lot of waiting for it to show up, but yeah, because it was got here. supposed <laughs> to happen on uh, like Friday night, and then didn't happen until, was it Saturday night? So it was a, it was a day delayed? Yeah. Yeah, uh, but let's see what's happening on social media because nobody cares about the weather. It's news to us. IW Radio. Follow it's news to us on Twitter. Ooh. Who is that guy? <laughs> uh, we put out a poll. Biden says this is it's news to us on Twitter. Biden says the vaccine is going to be available to all adults on May 1st. Are you excited to get your vaccine? 52% said yes. Can't wait. 42% said they already got it, and uh, 5% said they're not going to get it at all. Which I thought it might be a little bit higher. 5% saying not going to get it. I think that's an improvement. I think that's good news. Yeah, that is good. Are you guys excited to get the vaccine? Yeah. Yeah, I'm getting mine tomorrow morning. Excellent. Yep. What's, uh, which one are you getting? I don't know. I guess whatever they have, huh? Yeah, whatever yeah. they stick It'll you with. Take whatever take whatever you can get. <clears throat> yeah. I'm gonna get my second shot on Saturday. Oh, congratulations. And then like a twelve days after that I'll I'll be good to go. I can start licking uh door handles in public places again. Sweet. Like the glory days. <laughs> it's been a hard year for you. Yeah. The glory days. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dog. Why are you barking right now? Uh, we're we're on the air. Hugo wants to lick some door handles too. <laughs> yes, he does. Uh, <laughs> Katie, you tweeted a statement from 
the office of Donald J. Trump. He's uh, making statements now in the form of uh, these ridiculous looking uh, memos. <laughs> I guess there's like a, a, an emblem that says the office of Donald J. Trump. And then underneath is just basically a tweet. And he's putting these <laughs> out. <laughs> Since he lost his Twitter. He's on dumb things I have to do today. Stationary. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's essentially tweeting in the form of a fax. That's what he's doing. Yeah. And the, the, uh, the, uh, the, this memo we put out is just deranged. Yeah. It definitely sounds like one of his tweets. It says, I hope everyone remembers when they're getting the COVID-19 and then it says often referred to as the China virus vaccine that if I wasn't president, you wouldn't be getting that beautiful shot in quotations. Why a shot in quotations? I don't know. I don't know. For five years, <laughs> comma, at best, comma, and probably wouldn't be getting it at all. I hope everyone remembers. <laughs> what, like, what a ass! It's getting worse and worse. His mental decline is like really going down. I normally wouldn't laugh at this, but he's a fucking idiot. So an asshole. I mean, he, Such he, a he, shitty. He tried to take over the country, so I have no sympathy for the guy. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, <sighs> speaking of uh, the insurrection and him trying to install himself as a uh, dictator. There have been more arrests with the insurrection, and uh, that'll be part of our news roundup two-parter. Uh, we'll give you the latest on that, and then also tell you a little bit about Joe Biden's tax plan and why you're going to be lied to a lot about that. It's news to us. News roundup. Yeehaw! Yeah, so 800 Trump supporters tried to, or 800 Trump supporters slash domestic terrorists, of course, they... Um, you know, tried to uh, go and kill Congress, members of Congress, as we all remember, which is so crazy. I still can't believe that that happened. Just yesterday, I, I, I was like, did that just happen? Did that really happen? Yeah. Was that something that really happened in our lifetime? And just a few, like a, a couple months ago. It was so crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so now these people are being arrested, Katie, right? Uh, they're They're rounding them all up. Yeah, I mean... Look, I mean, a lot of it's in due part to people turning them in, uh, coworkers, people who see them on social media, friends, family. Uh, people are actually tattling on them. So good. that's good to know. Yeah. Um, so Those they've arrested. Well, they've brought charges against about 300 of them. Okay. Um. And they expect to charge about over 400. So, what, what kind of charges do you get if you um, try to murder Nancy Pelosi by barging into her office? What's the charge? You know, I was looking. There's like a whole I can actually tweet out this NPR article. But I mean, it was kind of a lot to dig through, but they have like a whole database of the 311 people that have been arrested so far. Wow. And, um, I mean, it ranges depending on what they did and what they were caught on tape doing. But, I mean, some of them, it's just, like, as little as, like, unlawful possession of a firearm or just, like, even just entering and remaining in a restricted building. 
to some of them, it's like civil disorder, um, assault on a federal officer. Um, a wide I mean, range of charges then. And, but don't you think conspiracy? since... Conspiracy? Shouldn't they conspiracy all be charged charges? with conspiracy and trying to... And treason and... Uh, I mean, how come... I, guess, I don't feel like the charges are that big enough. It's like, here's your, here's your little trespassing charge. Yeah, I guess like what my main takeaway was was that um they're charging like conspiracy to people who are in groups like um like the oath keepers they've arrested nine members of the oath keepers so far well three other members um have been arrested separately but they've actually charged them with conspiracy charges based on information that they found in their text messages and phone records prior to the attack and based on their behavior at the attack. But a lot of these people were just kind of swept up in the day. Like they didn't actually go planning to attack that day, but then, you know, they were at the, the rally at the Trump rally and then it was like, oh, we're going to the Capitol? Okay. And they got swept up in the excitement. I mean, so I, those are the people that are getting charged with like trespassing and things like that. You know how it goes. You go out, you have a couple drinks, <laughs> all of a sudden you're committing treason. Accidentally yeah. become an insurrectionist. <laughs> you, you have a slippery nipple and then one thing leads to another and you're building a noose for AOC outside of the Capitol and you're rushing into her chamber trying to find her. It happens to all of us. Uh, what is right? a slippery nipple? <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> it, just, it sounds like something Johnny Carson would order. When did they name those drinks like that and Harry Naval and Sex on the Beach? Was that like the early 70s and they thought it was hilarious? <laughs> it had to have been the 70s. Can you even order a slippery nipple these days without getting like uh, canceled? <laughs> Slapped. You get can- I think you get canceled. <laughs> you get to Me Too or something. Uh, but um, yeah, so uh, what, are, what are some of these other notable arrests? Um, well, there was a Trump State Department aide, Frederico Klein. Uh, federal investigators said he was seen in videos resisting officers and then assaulting them with their stolen riot shield. Oh, and he actually worked for, yeah, the Trump State Department, and I believe what? he worked on Trump's campaign too. And he was stealing uh, equipment from officers and then assaulting the officers with it. Yeah, very diplomatic. Yes, and, and Blue Lives yes. Matter too. Yes, and he was also encouraging other rioters to join in on the the actions. So we came so close that day to really to losing America. It is just so crazy, so crazy. Yeah. Can you imagine um, the country? Can you imagine what it would be like today had that gone through the way that they oh. intended with all those uh, high ranking members being murdered and then Trump. Declaring martial law and just remaining in office, that would be like a hell. We'd be in hell right now. We'd not be getting COVID nineteen vaccine. I'll tell you that much. No, we'd be trying to figure out how to get out of the country. Yeah, <laughs> so scary. 
<laughs> well, uh, before we move on to Biden's tax plan, any final thoughts on that, Katie, or anything else that we missed? Uh, well, yesterday there was, I think, a really important arrest were made yesterday. Um, Julian Catter, 32 of Pennsylvania, and George Pierre Tanyos, 39 of Morgantown, West Virginia. Um, they were seen on video spraying Officer Sicknick in the face with bear spray. And he is the officer who actually died um, from the riots. Mm. And they believed before that it had been caused by a chemical irritant reaction. So they have now apprehended the people who sprayed him with the bear spray. And I guess we'll see where those charges go. All right. Uh, Biden's tax plan. The You're going to hear a lot. Biden's wanting to raise taxes. Yes and no. Not for you, though. It's news to us. News Roundup. Uh, so, yes, President Biden is planning his first major federal tax hike. Uh, first uh, time this happened since 1993, one as major. Now, tax hike, though, and Biden raising taxes is what is going to be thrown around a lot by the right. Biden's raising taxes. He's raising taxes. But he's for the first time in 30 years, which <laughs> right? is insane. Insane, but there is a big, big caveat to this because Biden is not planning to raise taxes on anybody who makes more than $400,000 a year. You mean less than? Excuse me, less than. Thank you. If you make less than $400,000 a year, you're fine. He's not raising your taxes. I don't know anybody that makes Which that I'd much Which I'd say money. that's a pretty healthy amount of money. It's a lot of income. Yeah, before you have to start paying more taxes. Like, that's a lot of income. And and by the way, that's not even couples. That's individuals. So it's probably even higher if you're a couple. Yeah. Um, So this this tax increase, actually, Biden talked a lot about this during his campaign, but uh, basically he wants to boost infrastructure and also uh, work on climate issues and expand help for poor Americans and then also address inequalities in the tax system. So they want to actually raise the corporate tax rate from uh, 21% to 28%, which doesn't seem like... I feel like it should be higher than that. Because these corporations figure out loopholes anyways. Yeah, and I mean, they're already just like making money hand over fist like and not paying their employees so if the government has to support their employees might as well tax them higher yep um there's also going to be a higher capital gains tax for individuals earning at least one million dollars a year annually poor guys poor people that are what are they going to do what are they going to do and then um Apparently, this is going to raise $2.1 trillion over a decade is what uh, they're looking at. But how does it affect the everyday American, though, really? So as we said earlier, if you're earning more than $400,000, then you might get taxed a little bit more. But for everybody else, the majority of Americans are going to not really see any uh, tax increase. But um, in fact, probably tax cuts, according to a study that was looking at how this tax plan will work, the average American might actually 
earn or uh, have a tax cut of $620 per year. Not bad. I'll take it. Why not? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then this, this new tax plan is also going to repeal portions of President Trump's tax law that benefited corporations and wealthy individuals. So that's kind of what it's doing is re- repealing a lot of that stuff. So uh, Trump's tax plan was all about, uh, you know, helping out these billionaires and millionaires, these, these poor billionaires and millionaires, they, they need tax breaks. Uh, how, how will they survive without five boats? I don't know. I don't know how they do it. Honestly, I don't know. I, I only have four boats and it's, it's really rough. If I only had a fifth boat. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, th- here's what the, uh, the Republicans are saying. So the argument against this is uh, they say that this will send the U.S. economy into a death spiral. Republicans are saying that. <laughs> Everything to them is a death <laughs> spiral. They use the word death spiral? Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's what, awesome. Uh, a congressman from New Jersey said. How dramatic is that? They don't have any sort of, they really don't have any sort of logical argument. So they, they say death spiral and they blame Satan and all this BS. Yeah, there's no uh, subtlety or, or middle ground ever. It's always one extreme or another. Yeah. And, and another argument that the Republicans are using, they're saying that the Biden tax hike plan causes wealthy Americans to panic over estate planning. <laughs> Boo-hoo. Oh, oh, where are my millions and millions of dollars going to go? <laughs> when I'm dead. <laughs> I mean... Could you imagine even having an estate to plan for? <laughs> yeah, I know. Do I have any sympathy for anybody who has $50 million no. in an estate that they, oh, they're panicking because now their planning is slightly harder for their lawyer to figure out. Uh, no, they're they're panicking because they can't give it to their kids for free anymore. Yeah, their kid might get a little tax on it. Yeah, their kid's going to have to pay tax on it. Oh, child. I'm panicked. <laughs> so ridiculous. I'm, I'm, I, it's just, uh, it's really disgusting, the wealth inequality in this country and how the, uh, the, uh, there's just, there's, so, I don't know. I don't know. That's like a whole other show, I think. But here's what people, here's what people are, here's what people think on Reddit. Uh, delicate anal flower says this. <laughs> is that your real name? <laughs> yeah, that's a real name. You can look up delicate anal flower on Reddit. He says, I make over 800,000 most years and some years significantly more. And I'm fine with this. So he's being fine with how much he makes or fine with the tax plan. <laughs> the tax plan. <laughs> he's fine with both. This is a person who makes $800,000 a year and they chose the Reddit handle delicate <laughs> anal flower. Uh, yeah, well, I want to know more about this person. What do they do for a living and who is this guy or gal? Delicate anal flower. We probably don't want to know what they do for a living. We should do an entire show on delicate anal flower. Uh Democratic Republic, that's somebody on Reddit, says nobody likes taxes, but it's the price you have to pay for a civilized society. Oh, well, yeah. Story. We want roads. We want police when you're getting mugged and we want a fire department when your house is on fire. So it's not a bad thing to pay taxes. 
Um, here's what uh, eight to four twenty four on uh, Twitter says, or yeah, Twitter. I think uh, the right will cry that this kills jobs. However, increasing capital gains for individuals making over a million dollars and raising the individual tax rate for those making over four hundred thousand are modest changes that only impact a small group of very wealthy people. Well, that's just, that's just is too, that just makes too much sense. Yeah. But the, the economy is going to go down into a, de- a death spiral. America's going to go into a death spiral. Was it, wasn't there like some congressperson that said that uh, Satan himself wrote this tax plan? <laughs> I'm sure. I thought I saw that. <laughs> that's so ridiculous. Like, like, here's the difference between Republicans and Democrats these days is, like, they want to scream that, like, death spiral over Democratic policies and, like, whatever. Like, we know they're full of crap. But, like, when we were screaming, like, death spiral over Trump policies, like, we weren't being facetious. <laughs> like It was evidence-based. Yeah, it was evidence and, and fact-based material. And non-biased, like, non-partisan <laughs> research. Yeah, like, so they're just, they sound like they're batshit crazy when they talk like this. And the people that support them, I mean, that's the thing that just boggles my mind because, I mean, uh, mostly most of their votes are coming from middle America and people who are middle to lower class. And meanwhile, these, uh, these Republican Congress people are, are defending something that uh, doesn't benefit their constituents and their constituents are like all about it. Yeah. Like, yeah, bend bend me over. Keep. Yeah. I haven't had enough yet. (laughs) Yeah. It's an abusive relationship between, Republican voters and their elected officials. I think every Republican has daddy issues. Don't shame anal sex. <laughs> well, it has nothing keep, to do with anal. Keep sex. your judgments out of the bedroom. <laughs> hey, do what you want. I'm yeah. just, I'm just saying <clears throat> that uh, there's a there's a weird like sub and dom relationship. Which again, do what you want in the bedroom. But this 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 seems like a, just a weird unhealthy relationship between the uh, Republican voters and their elected officials. Yeah. Like they want that daddy authoritative figure that's going to tell them that they suck all the time. (laughs) I I don't, I don't get it. I don't know. What do you guys think of the tax plan? Are you excited? (laughs) That's so exciting. I I am. talk about taxes. Very in favor. You know, I try to keep on top of the news, but uh, this is the first I've I've heard about it. Honestly, what would you think? Seems fine to me. You know, like I think that's what this country needs to do. I think the, probably the tax rate on the uh, richest Americans has to go even higher if we're going to try and uh, bend our debt curve back down toward the ground. I was going to say, I feel like it's not aggressive enough if it's only going to raise two point whatever trillion over a decade. Like, that's not enough. Yeah, that's that's pocket change. We yeah, just like, spent two trillion in a single bill. And we spent two trillion on Trump's tax bill, right? 
like so we've got some ground to make up and these rich people have got to start answering for at least some of it because they took most of it so when people like Jeff Bezos can accumulate that much wealth and not have very, and have very little tax liability there is something really uh immorally yeah. wrong as as Bernie Sanders would argue yeah or like even people like Trump morally when, wrong excuse me when he's paid less in taxes than you and I have yeah what was his tax bill $750 yeah like i'm sorry I barely made any money last year, like really, literally any, and my tax bill was more than $750. What a dong. Yeah. So, like, how does that work? I don't know. It's so disgusting, all of it. Well, anyways, we'll keep an eye on that. But something really cool did happen today. The Senate confirmed New Mexico Representative Deb Holland as Interior Secretary, making her the first Native American to lead a cabinet department. And we're going to talk to uh, Julian Brave Noisecats, the Vice President of Policy and Strategy at Data for Progress and an Indigenous Environmental Justice Activist. This guy's got quite the resume, too, by the way. He's very impressive. Um, so we'll bring him on on Zoom here and uh, come back and talk about uh, this historic Senate vote and uh, see what he thinks about it. Don't go anywhere. It's news to us on Adobe Radio. All right. It's news to us. We're live here on Adobe Radio. And hours before we went on the air live, uh, the Senate confirmed New Mexico Representative Deb Holland as Interior Secretary, making her the first Native American to lead a cabinet department. And it was uh, a, a pretty awesome moment. Here's actually that vote audio from the, uh, the floor. Here we 51. go. The nays are 40. The nomination is confirmed. Yeah, they should be more excited than that. But uh, our guest is uh, Julian Brave Noisecat. He is the vice president of policy and strategy at Data for Progress and an indigenous environmental justice activist. And uh, he's here to discuss this historic Senate confirmation yeah, he's written for the New York Times, Washington Post, and many others. Thank you for joining us. Thank you guys so much for having me. So uh, we briefly chatted with you for just a second before we got you live on the air, but you, uh, yeah, you said this has been a very good day for you, so you're feeling pretty good. You know, my body is rebelling against this notion of daylight savings, um, but my heart is um, just incredibly moved by you know, the fact that the upper chamber and our government is, is doing right by indigenous peoples and that it's been far too long, but that it's for a wonderful, wonderful leader in person, um, Madam Secretary Holland. You were actually one of the first to suggest that Representative Holland be appointed as secretary. And uh, I, my, my question for you was, I mean, do you take any, any pride in that? But you apparently appear to be so doing that. And uh, what, what was the first thought that you had when that uh, Senate vote went through? Um, I would say that I, my initial response was one of almost disbelief. Um, over the summer, I added um, now Madam Secretary, then Congresswoman Holland's name to 
a document uh, called the Progressive Cabinet Project. It was kind of like a fantasy football style uh, draft your dream cabinet into the next Democratic administration thing that my think tank, Data for Progress, put together. Uh, just to give you a sense of like how kind of wish casty it was, we had Keith Ellison for AG, um, Chokwe Lumumba, the socialist mayor from the South, as um, HUD secretary. Uh, and we had my congresswoman, Barbara Lee, for secretary of state because she was the only person to vote against the authorization of the use of force after 9-11. <clears throat> so it was a really, um, you know, sort of, you know, put it out there and, you know, probably nothing will happen kind of thing. But, um, you know, I think that people clearly saw the the Holland suggestion as a, as a compelling one. Um, and, you know, it was that um, hope that she embodied uh, the notion that this was a good idea, that it was the right thing to do, uh, that carried her all the way from being, you know, a, a, a freshman in the House of Representatives to now being the first ever Native American cabinet secretary. And I just, um, and it's just such an honor and, and uh, I'm very humbled to have played a, a role in it. So cool. So cool. Yeah. Uh, good job to you for, uh, for everything that you've done leading up to this. And, uh, you know, we have, we have questions about uh, what this means going forward, but to kind of get to know you a little bit, I mean, you're an interesting guy yourself. Uh, you were actually listed on the Time 100 Next list of emerging leaders in 2021 alongside Dua Lipa, Amanda Gorman, and others. Uh, it's been a really exciting, I guess, I, uh, 2021 is looking better than 2020 for you, perhaps, right? I mean, everybody had a bad 2020, but <laughs> this is shaping up to be a good year for you. You guys forgot the starting point guard of my fantasy basketball team, Luka Doncic, who was also on the list, which ah, was the biggest yes. trip of the whole thing. Congratulations. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, he's been doing really well for me in, in fantasy. I'm actually in first place in the league. So, yeah, I guess you could say, you know, leading the fantasy basketball league. Um, it's been a good it's been a good year. Uh, and, I, you know, I, I think that at the end of the day, I, I obviously it's it's. Um, such uh, a, a privilege to get to do these sorts of things, to write, to advocate, to work on policy and politics. Um, but the thing that feels most meaningful of all is that, you know, especially with this, this Holland uh, confirmation, I'm not so sure about winning fantasy basketball and having a broader world impact, um, but Holland being the secretary of interior, you know, that's really going to mean something to, to first peoples, to indigenous peoples. Um, and I think to all people, you know, the fact that, um, someone with her story and her background can aspire to and achieve leadership in the executive of the United States is, is an incredible thing. And, um, you know, I, I'll admit sometimes I'm not a particularly hopeful person about what can be achieved in this country and, and through our government. But, um, you know, today, today count me as a believer. Were you having doubts that she would be confirmed? No. Um, you know, I think that I was confident that Holland would be confirmed. She's a remarkable politician. She actually, you know, was probably the only American politician who could count uh, activist groups like the Sunrise Movement on the one hand and congressional Republicans like Don Young and Tom Cole on the other as her supporters um, in her push to become the first Native Cabinet Secretary. 
Um, so I always believed that she, you know, was a remarkable politician who could not just be a pathbreaker, but also a consensus builder and a unifier. Um, but, you know, on the other hand, I, I knew that the Republicans were going to try to make this as painful as possible. Um, right. And, you know, I think it's a real shame that, uh, you know, um, people like Ryan Zinke, who was Trump's interior secretary, a guy who, you know, worked for the fossil fuel industry and was invested in it while he was, you know, leading the interior department, uh, could get like 68 votes, right? You know, a, a strong, thoroughly bipartisan confirmation and that, you know, Holland today got, got 51. So I thought she would get through, but at the same time, you know, I, I am disappointed that, um, you know, folks on the conservative side of the aisle could not see the, uh, what, how, how important and meaningful this, this would be, not just for, you know, Indian country or for um, any party, but for, you know, our, our nation's history. Yeah. More broadly speaking, what would you like to see her do uh, as secretary of the interior department? Oh man. Uh, just the light questions here. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, <laughs> I firstly, you know, I think that, she's going to have a lot to do to, you know, get, get the house in order. Um, you know, the, the Trump administration, uh, left a lot of booby traps and broke a lot of things at the interior department and across the federal government. Um, among other things, they relocated the Bureau of Land Man Management to Grand Junction, Colorado, which led a number of lifelong civil servants to, um, quit and leave the department. Um, you know, there was a fire sale of leases to drill for oil and gas on public lands at the end of the Trump administration. Uh, and there are numerous, uh, environmental regulations and rules, uh, that were altered or rolled back or messed with in some sort of way. And, you know, that's of course going to be the first order of business. Um, you know, beyond that, I think that, Holland has been an incredibly strong voice for uh, conservation, for climate action, and broadly speaking, for environmental good uh, in the Congress. And the Interior Department is going to play an incredibly um, important role in that effort. And what's what's you know personally very important and meaningful to me about her leadership. Um, is the is this idea that indigenous peoples uh, can be leaders in the fight against climate change? You know, over the last decade, um, many indigenous movements have arisen uh, here in North America. Uh, there is, of course, the movement against the Dakota Access Pipeline at Standing Rock, the movement against the Keystone XL Pipeline, and many others. And you know, I think that Holland's confirmation marks the arrival of that. Uh, that idea that indigenous peoples can be leaders on these issues, um, you know, at the highest echelons of government and politics. And I'm very hopeful that um, that leadership, the leadership that she's now going to take up, um, will be meaningful and impactful and will show that, in fact, yes, um, empowering indigenous peoples as leader, leaders and environmental stewards uh, is good, not just for native people, but for all people. What uh, traditionally has been the relationship between First Nations and the Interior Department? Has it been cooperative and positive, or is there any antagonism between those groups in the past? 
Oh, we just love the interior department. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I mean, the I so the best way to explain this is that the third interior secretary, a guy named Alexander Stewart, um, described the United States mission uh, regarding native peoples as, quote, to civilize or exterminate us. And, you know, that was a view that was not just held by Stewart, but was broadly held by people in the Interior Department and beyond it. And the Interior Department played a, a pretty important, in fact, a leading role in many instances in the assimilation and attempted annihilation of Native peoples. In the late 1800s, the Interior Department uh, helped implement the Dawes Act, which privatized and alienated millions of acres of, of Native land. Uh, it helped to take away Native children to the boarding schools where um, our languages and cultures were often quite literally beaten out of um, our children. And in the mid-1900s, it also played a leading role in the era of termination, where the United States stated policy towards Native nations was literally that, uh, to terminate our sovereign legal rights and status. And, you know, against that history, I don't think I need to do much more explaining than to say that the, you know, confirmation of a Laguna Pueblo woman who, you know, went to the the camps erected in the path of the Code Access Pipeline and cooked green chili stew and tortillas for water protectors is a remarkable shift uh, and one that I think inspires a lot of hope um, for for Native people and, um, you know, I think for for lots of other people as well. It really is an amazing story. It really is. Uh, so some of the argument against Representative Holland, though, from the Republican side, they say that uh, she ignores science when it comes to protecting grizzly bears in Yellowstone. And that's one of the big things that Senator uh, Barrasso of Wyoming has been saying, which I think is just ridiculous. But uh, what's, what's your reaction to that? The bears one, the bears, uh, the bears thing was really funny. <laughs> um, so I think it was actually Senator Dane. So Barasa was going after Holland for that, but I think it was Senator Danes who asked her a follow-up question about it. Uh, Danes is from Montana and he was in some ways. So Barasa is the ranking member of the energy and natural resource committee in the Senate. Uh, so he's the top ranking Republican. That's what that means. And uh, Danes was, is also on that committee, which is the committee that handled um, Holland's confirmation hearing. And Danes was in many ways sort of the ringleader of the crusade against Holland. Um, and so they were trying to, I guess, do like a big gotcha with her where they were like, you say you make policy decisions based on science. Here's some science that says we don't need to protect grizzly bears as an endangered species anymore, I guess, because protecting grizzly bears is in their eyes bad. Um, and you know, can you explain yourself? And when she was asked to explain herself, uh, she just like responded with this incredible line of forthright charm being like, I, what was it exactly? She said, I guess I was caring about the bears, <laughs> um, which I tweeted out at the time and it like kind of went viral. And then uh, we started a hashtag bears for Deb because Deb is for the bears. And, um, you know, I guess we, we had some, we had some internet fun at the expense of Danes and the Republicans and in support of 
uh, Holland. And I think that, you know, even in that exchange, right, you could just see what kind of leader and what kind of person Holland was, right? Like, great response. Think, on, like, yeah, incredible response. Just absolutely incredible. And this is such an incredible day too. And congratulations on, uh, on this moment just because of all the work that you put into it. And, uh, just, and, and congratulations to America too, because this really is a bit of a healing moment in a, in a way. And it really is a very, very big day for America. Um, my question to you though, is in your, uh, in your Tinder profile, do you say that you're on the time 100 next list or do you save that for the first date? <laughs> you know, what's really funny is one of my uh, best friends growing up actually texted me that same question. <laughs> um, my friend, Nate, actually uh, went to high school together uh, after I was on that list. Uh, I actually don't have a Tinder profile, so uh, I'm going to plead the fifth on that one. I also feel like, come on, I mean, like if you were on a date with someone or, you know, you were trying to like <laughs> holler, like it just doesn't strike me as the kind of thing that would be a successful line, you know. No, it'll speak for itself. I think it yeah. it, it does the work for you. You don't you don't have to do anything. Um, so yeah. you, so you are involved with uh, Data for Progress, which is an organization I've heard a lot about. Uh, what does Data for for Progress do, and what do you do for Data for Progress? Um, yeah, so I mean, I guess my title at data for progress which maybe explains a little bit of what i do is the vice president of policy and strategy um what data for progress does is we um run surveys so polls of public opinion uh and then we combine that uh research with policy analysis and development sort of the traditional work that you'd imagine a think tank doing you know developing ideas that can become policies which then can become laws um and then we pair that with um i mean straightforwardly just like a pretty significant twitter following and a pretty loud presence on social media uh as well as sort of an earned media megaphone to try to uh make the case for progressive ideas and progressive change uh, and to um, give politicians in some instances ideas of uh, policies to pursue and to generally speaking, just sort of build power for the progressive movement um, in American politics. Very cool. And it's uh, supported by just everyday Americans, correct? That's how the funding comes through. That's a- uh, no, we, uh, we have a, a variety of uh, income streams. So we, okay. Um, we fundraise, uh, we have done some small dollar donations. Um, we get some money from philanthropy. Um, and then we also, uh, provide polling for progressive organizations. So we don't do any work for corporations or anything like that, like most pollsters, but we do do some work for, um, often our prorated basis for progressive organizations, uh, you know, surveying their, their issues. So we get, um, some revenue from that as well. Okay, cool. Well, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, yeah, thanks for uh, letting us know about that, too. It's really interesting. We don't have to have you back to talk more about that when uh, something comes up. Uh, but we appreciate you, um, you know, jumping on to give your reaction to this very uh, important day. And uh, uh, I guess we'll get you back to celebrating or whatever you're doing uh, this evening. And um, anything that you want to plug before we let you go? Do you have a yeah, I know that you have a Twitter account. Do you want to put that out there or what else do you do? Anything you want to plug? 
Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, firstly, I would encourage everyone listening to follow Deb Holland and her incredible, incredible career and work. And, you know, we're all hopeful that she's going to do more amazing things at the Interior Department. Uh, Data for Progress, the think tank where I work is on Twitter at Data Progress. Uh, We also have a website where you can check out our polling and policy work. Uh, And I tweet probably too often from at Jay Noisecat um, and do a fair amount of writing, which I post on Twitter and I also have a website. So that's me. Okay, cool. Well, thanks. Thanks so much. Uh, we hope to talk to you again and uh, you take care. Have a great evening. And uh, yeah, don't, 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 awesome. don't party too hard. <laughs> thanks y'all. Have All a right. good one. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. All right. Okay. We'll be right back on its news to us. Uh, any reaction to that? Anything you guys want to say before we move on? Uh, seemed like a great guy and he had a lot of great answers for our questions. And, uh, yeah, I, I hope it was illuminating for the audience. Cause I learned a finger too. Yeah. Exciting day for him. Uh, yeah. Exciting day for him. And, and, and I think, uh, for everybody really, I, if you, yeah. cause I, w- the backstory, I didn't really know. And when he was talking about that, I was like, wow, this you know, I, I read, of course, uh, the the news flashes that came through that said that Holland was confirmed and how it was a monumentous day. But these, honestly, I didn't know um, as much as what he told us. So I, I, I learned a lot. So he was, yeah, it was, it was interesting. All right, we'll be uh, we'll be back with more. All right, uh, yeah. Thanks to our guest this evening, and uh, we've learned so much on this episode of its news to us. And if you made it this far, uh, you're a, you're a champ. I almost didn't make it this far. <laughs> um, yeah, I think we learned a lot. We learned a lot about the, uh, the about taxes. We learned a lot about uh, the, what's happening with the insurrectionists, the domestic terrorists, and our guest, of course, Julian Brave, noise cat. Awesome. Truly an educational evening. You know what I would love for Biden to do? is to make a effort to visit all of the first nations within the United States. You know, I don't think, I don't think any president has, has attempted that. And I think it would be a, just a huge olive branch and a very important chance for, for dialogue between the president and the, the leaders of the, uh, the tribes and nations. It would be a huge olive branch. Why hasn't that happened? That's bizarre. You think of all presidents, Obama would have tried that, or uh, or Clinton, perhaps. That's crazy. That's never happened. Not to my knowledge. I can't say definitively. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I, I think that would be a good thing. Really good thing. I agree with you. Um. All right. Well, before we wrap it up, just. Uh, I guess quickly something light. Um, so Avatar is is the number one grossing movie of all time, and uh, Avengers Endgame knocked Avatar off number one for a brief period of time. But now Avengers is back to number two, and uh, Avatar is number one, and they're making four more Avatar sequels. Does anybody give a shit about Avatar is my question, though. Do you guys care about one sequel, let alone four other Avatars? 
No. I mean, not, I'm not like really excited about it. I mean, I'd probably see it. I really like James Cameron and I thought the first Avatar was good, really overrated, but you know, I'd go see the first sequel at least and uh, see what happens with that. I don't know. You're not a fan, Eddie? No, I, I'm really bummed about this because James Cameron, I love James Cameron and I feel like he's been wasting all of his time on Avatar. He's like that friend that you have that is a genius guitar player, but he stops playing guitar to go hang out with his ugly girlfriend. <laughs> and it's like, dude, you have, you have so much talent. What are you doing? Well, I, I don't... I, four Avatar sequels and... That's a lot. It's interesting that this is the project that's consuming all his time. It's almost obsessive to me and weird. Isn't it weird? Do you think maybe he went off the rails? What's happening? Because was Avatar really that popular? I feel like it's something that's almost being shoved down our throats. Uh, I've honestly never watched it. (laughs) Yeah, it's not even, it's an okay movie. And in 3D, it was cool. But I never watched it at home, and it's not like a movie that plays on cable TV all the time because you have to watch it in 3D. I don't, I don't, I just don't get it. But maybe I'm out of touch. Am I out of touch here? Because it's the, it's the highest grossing movie of all time, and they're making four sequels. I'm just wondering, as you guys must, you guys say you agree. Uh, who do you know? Anybody who likes Avatar though? Like any like friends or friends of friends? Is anybody a big Avatar fan? I have never met one. Yeah, I don't know of any like major Avatar fandom out there. Yeah, it's not like there are no Avatar conventions or anything. Not like a furry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, how do they how do they justify making that many Avatar movies? And how does James Cameron justify flushing his life down the toilet? Maybe he's got something great planned. <laughs> what if what if Avatar like universes combined with Terminator and the Abyss and all those movies into one. That's funny you should say that because I think a great, great idea. I'm actually working on a uh, fan fiction on it. Will be a Aliens versus Predator versus Terminators crossover. <laughs> oh, that would be amazing! Be the greatest action movie of all time. That's what James Cameron should be doing. Yeah, and then throwing Titanic. some titanic Uh, all right well thanks everybody for joining us we appreciate thanks again to our guest this evening uh data for progress if you want to go see what our guest julian brave noise cat is up to and of course he has twitter as well um all that's gonna be in the, the show notes uh but whatever you know that bye everybody we'll see you next time good night bye bye Appreciate it very much, Tim Apple. With all due respect, that's a bunch of malarkey.